Welcome to this week's edition of Island Recast. For more information on Grand Memorial Presbyterian Church or Pastor David, please go to gmpc.org. Some of you may or may not know, I have a younger brother who's nine years younger than I am. And when I was 17, 16 years old, um, I had a high school, had a great friend, his name is Keith, and uh, often spent time at Keith's house. So much time that his mom became mom to me. And I would just call Denise, was her name, I would call her mom. And my brother and I spent, uh, we, we were heading over to, to Keith's house, and it was not unusual for me to, you know, open the garage door and like let myself in and, you know, open the refrigerator and go, mom, where's the food, right? It just, that's what we did. Uh, he did the same at my house and I did the same at his. And there was one moment, my brother James was with me. And, you know, the garage door's already open and, and mom comes out of the, the house of the door and she greets us at the, at the door and I'm having a conversation. And I, I really don't remember what we were talking about. It didn't matter. Um, but I'm, I'm kind of like, Leaning like this on the car, trying to be cool, right? And just be like, yeah, because that's what 16-year-old boys do. They try to be cool. And, um, and, and Denise, mom, she's like, we're having a conversation. She does this thing with her eyes, like, look behind you. And I'm like, what? And so I glance behind me, and my brother, who's nine years younger, so he's, you know, seven, six. He's hanging out, and he, he was never one of those kids that I wanted to hang out with, but he just decided to tag along. And I'm standing like this, and mom's going, look. And I look, and there he is. Standing like this. <laughs> imitating big brother. And, and I was like, hmm. Let's see how good of an imitation, he, how good he can imitate me. So I'm, I'm watching him out of the corner of my eye, still having the conversation with mom, and kind of peeking at him, and we're talking, and I do this, put my hands down to see if he can follow my lead, because I'm about to do some really fun stuff to see he can follow me that way, and all of a sudden, I, I see him out of the corner of his eye, out of my eye, and he's, he stops doing this, and he stands like this, and there's this little guy standing behind me, right, just imitating everything I'm doing. I thought like, oh, maybe if I pick my nose and do that. And I'm, like, I'm, I'm trying to think of all these things, but it dawned on me. He was watching me. He was watching and imitating everything I was doing. And man, that, my world just opened up. Um, and I just blew me away. And I, I got to the passage this morning, or not this morning, this week, and the weeks leading up, and I was thrown by what Paul tells the church in Ephesus. He says, imitate God. And I couldn't help but think, is that even possible? See, up to this point, Paul, he's writing his letter to the church in Ephesus, and there's conversation about whether the letter is a, you know, a specific letter to a specific church or if it was used to kind of circulate around and to edify the church as a whole. And he spends the first three chapters talking about and building a theology of what it means to be in Christ. We are saved by grace and Christ is our identity and that's who you are. And I love that our worshiping community knows who we are. If I 
talk about church and I ask the question, how many churches are there in Coronado? You're going to say one. one. You know who you are. If I, if I take that even a little bit broad in the, the scope, if I say how many churches are there in California, you're going to say how many churches are there in the nation? One. You get it. You know who you are. You know exactly who you are in Christ, a beloved child of God. And, and Paul spends the first three chapters unpacking that for us. And then he gets to chapters four, five, and six, and he turns to the church. And now it's like, what is the church to do? Who are they to be in the world? He begins to unpack that. And I love the picture he gives us. He says, uh, in chapter four, at the very beginning, he says, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. Christ has called you this image of living a life as walking together with God and in community. Because Christ has called, God has called you to be in Christ and to respond and live your life accordingly. This is a really beautiful picture of walking. And he goes on and he talks about the old self being put away and the new self being put on. Like taking off an old jacket and putting on the new. And then he gets to chapter 4, verse 25. And if you've got your Bible with you, I'd invite you to turn there with me. And we're going to start in verse 25 and go through five, chapter 5, verse 2. Paul writes, he says, Therefore, each of you must put off falsehood and speak truthfully to their neighbor. For we are all members of one body. In your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you're still angry. And do not give the devil a foothold. He who has been stealing must steal no longer, but must work, doing something useful with, his, with their hands, that they may have something to share with those in need. Oh, do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building up others according to their needs that they, that it may benefit them who listen and do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God and with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Get rid of all bitterness, rage and anger, brawling and slander along with every form of malice. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as Christ God forgave you. Be imitators of God, therefore as dearly loved children, and live, a and live, life, live a life of love, just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and a sacrifice to God. At first glance, you think, easy, right? Put off falsehood, speak truthfully. In your anger, don't sin. Hmm, maybe it's a little harder than I thought. Don't let the sun go down in your anger. Oh, yeah. missed that one. Don't steal. Who has been stealing must steal no longer, but must work doing something useful with their hands that they may have something to share with others. This is about working and giving to others. This is not about me working for me now. Oh, boy. Uh, unwholesome talk. Yep, I'm guilty of that one. 
because I have not built up others according to their needs and the benefit. Wow, this is a lot harder than I thought. And then I got to be imitators of God. I'm like, man, this is going to be really hard stuff. (laughs) Oh, boy. (laughs) Because what am I supposed to, how am I supposed to imitate God? Is that even possible? Is it possible to imitate God? I think absolutely. But when I think about God's character and I think about God's attributes, right? Especially his attributes. God is omniscient, all-knowing. And you better believe I want my children to know that I'm all-knowing. I want them to be convinced of that. I want them to know that I know everything. But they figured out very quick, it didn't take long, that dad doesn't know much. I also want them to know <laughs> that I'm all-powerful, omnip- uh, omnip- omnipotent. No, yeah, omnipotent, omnipotent. I'm like <laughs> scrambling the word in my head. Yeah, I want them to know I'm all-powerful, but I watched one of my sons in karate, and I went, well, uh, the day is coming, Dad. They're going to take you, and if they three-team up, I'm in deep trouble. So I, I can't imitate God's power. I'm not all-powerful. and I'm, I'd like to think I'm everywhere, right? All present, everywhere present. I, I would love to know that, right? But I have a community, which is really fun, because so I kind of am. So wherever my boys are, I've got eyes everywhere. I've got brothers and sisters in Christ who watch out for them and care for them, and I'm sure they'll report back to me, right? <laughs> which is good. So maybe, nope, I'm not all-powerful. I'm not all-knowing. I'm not everywhere present. I can't, I can't be those things. I'm finite with an infinite God. And so how am I supposed to imitate God? How am I to imitate God? Well, the first thing that jumps out at me as Paul is instructing is truth. I'm to imitate God's truth. That God is truth. He's love. I'm to imitate that. That everything that comes out of my mouth ought to be truthful. I, I think about the power of words. I mean, if God used words to speak the universe into existence and then gave us words to use, and those same words we speak to one another and we create thoughts in the minds of other people, And sometimes we speak harsh words, hurtful words that are not loving and compassionate and they, they reside in our minds. I'm, I'm sure someone has said something to you that you are trying to put off and that you're carrying with you. God wants us to speak truth, to imitate God's truth. Okay, if I'm... Wrestling with that for a little bit. Okay, God, I, I see what's in the world right now and there's a lot of evil in the world and the truth is, I want it to stop. I want justice to prevail. I want all the sin to be done away with. I want all the hurt to be done away with. I want to see children 
not be sacrificed. I want to see adults be whole and healthy. And when I see brokenness in the world, the truth is, I get angry about it. I don't think it's an accident that Paul puts these so close together. Because the truth of the matter is, I get angry when there is evil in the world and I see it and I want it to be made right. The problem is, I think sometimes that my anger is based in truth, but really it's based in my own selfishness, right? It's a, it's maybe someone has hurt me and I'm angry and I want justification. I want justice in my life rather than in someone else's life. And so I get angry and I say, oh wait, Paul tells me not to sin in my anger. Oh, maybe it's a little harder than I thought. There's room for truth and for us to imitate God's truth. Can you imagine what life is like if, for example, the communication piece between your brain and your hands, there's a constant flow of communication. If your hands started lying to your brain about the surfaces that are hot or cold, if the surface is hot and my hand tells my brain that it's actually cold and the lies are there and I touch it, I damage my hand, I burn my hand. I break relationships when I lie to my brothers and sisters, when I don't imitate God's truth, when I don't imitate God's goodness. I lie to my brothers and sisters and I harm them and I harm myself. The other thing I think that God wants us to imitate as Paul is laying out is not just God's truth, but also God's forgiveness. He tells us, Christ died for us. We know God's forgiveness through Jesus. I was, um, I was with middle schoolers last weekend and um, we get to an evening in the weekend and just some kind of cabin time. I've got boys in the cabin with me and, um, and, and I, I start having a conversation about what, you know, Christ died for us and, and what does it mean that, you know, Christ takes on the consequence of our sin, and I'm using these big words like consequences and sin, and, like, and I'm like, what does this mean to you? How, can you wrap your mind around this and, and give me something back that says, like, you got it? And they go, yeah, Pastor John, I got it. And I'm like, okay, I'm gonna hear from a middle schooler. And they start by saying, it's like Mario Kart. And I'm like, uh, Mario Kart? The Nintendo Switch game. Yeah, it's like Mario Kart. I'm like, okay, I'm with you. All right, we're going to play Mario Kart. And they're like, I'm in first place. And I'm like, okay, um, you're in first place. Got it. We're in a race. I've played Mario Kart before. I'm good. Right. And, and they're like, and Jesus is in second place. And I'm like, wait a minute. That's not the way it's supposed to be. And they're like, Pastor John, just hang tight for a moment. And I said, okay, um, we're in the race. Jesus is in second. I'm in first. And, he, and they go, all right, so 
The sin character is in last place and they have this blue shell and they take this blue shell and they shoot it at you and it's sin. And it's the consequence of sin. And what happens is if you get hit by this shell, you die. But Jesus is in second place and what happens is Jesus goes like this, whoop, takes the hit and dies. And I'm like, oh, huh. All right, I'm with you. And then in the process, Jesus dies and he drops all of his like things that he's collected and, it, and it's the star of invincibility. And I'm like, okay, well, I'm with you. How do we get that? And they're like, well, we just turn around really quickly and we grab the invincibility star and we live forever. We just run this race forever. And I'm like, oh my Lord, praise Jesus. You get it? I'm in. I realize the analogy probably falls short in all sorts of different areas, but they get it. They get it. They get that Jesus takes the consequence of our sin and gives us the gift of life that we may play Mario Kart. And I'm like, whoa! And you get it. That Christ died for you and for me, for our forgiveness. And Paul is saying, be imitators of God's forgiveness. In those moments where injustice is done to you, reach for God's forgiveness. Let God work out the details. You know, growing up, I, my dad and I all pretty much got along regularly. It was my mom and I who just, we didn't, we're the same personality. We still are. Um, and and my dad had this, this presence about him that when he would make me mad, he would do something, tell me I can't do. And I, as a teenage boy, I'd get angry and yell, Dad, you can't do that. And I would sin in my anger. And he would say, I forgive you. And man, did I feel this big. I get it. I get God's forgiveness. I've experienced it and so have you. And God is saying, imitate my forgiveness and imitate my love. Imitate the love that I have for you. You know, going back to the same weekend, this last weekend, I'm sitting in a circle of students. And what we like to do is just kind of share moments where, hey, what's God done in your life? What have you learned about yourself or about God in this, this weekend? And one of our students said, I learned that God loves me most. And I went, wait a minute. God's got to love me more, right? <laughs> and they're like, no, no, no. And I'm like, oh, oh yeah, that's right. That God loves you most. God cannot love you anymore. The depths of God's love is unreachable. You just, you keep digging you keep going and God still loves you. No matter where you go, God still loves you. As far as the east is from the west, God loves you and cares about who you are and who you are becoming. We know this example. We know the definition of love. We've learned it over and over and over again. To will the good of another. That means sacrificing myself for someone else. It is exactly what Jesus does. Jesus sacrificed himself 
You want to see what love is? Look at Jesus. It's a sweet aroma. It's a sweet smell. In the Old Testament, oftentimes the sacrifices that were offered, (laughs) the aroma would reach the heavens and the picture in the Old Testament mind is that the, the sacrifice would be a sweet and pleasing smell and aroma to God. And certainly Christ's sacrifice is exactly that, a sweet and pleasing aroma. Jesus teaches us, teaches his disciples. He's asked. The teacher of the law asks him, Jesus, of all the commandments, which is the greatest? And Jesus goes, love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. And love your neighbor as yourself. All of the laws and all of the prophets, all 613 laws, including the 10 commandments, hang on these two commandments. All of it is summarized here. Love the Lord your God and love your neighbor as yourself. And then he tells his disciples, just as I have loved you, go and love others. And how was Christ's love for his disciples? Service and sacrifice. That's the characteristic and quality of God that we are to imitate. To have in mind as we think about imitating God because the world will know that we are his disciples by the way we love each other. And what a profound mystery that is. We are called in relationship to love one another, to service and sacrifice, to put my side. Man, no, becoming a parent was the biggest aha moment in my life. I didn't think I could love someone anymore. And then Andrew showed up. I didn't think I could love someone anymore and then Daniel shows up. That's the love that reflects God in us. You might be a parent, you might not. You might be a grandparent or an aunt and an uncle and and you get a glimpse of that love. That's the love we're to imitate every single day in our lives. See, because then all the other things kind of fall into place. When I love you and imitate God's love, I'm going to be forgiving. I'm going to speak truth in love and it will be gentle and healing and whole because that is who God calls us to be. Pray with me. God, thank you so much for calling us to imitate you. It is a good journey of transformation that you have us on. That you are walking with us, teaching us each and every day, each and every moment. May we be in tune with the Holy Spirit and its guidance as you teach us to be imitators of your truth, imitators of your forgiveness and imitate your love. We pray this in your son's name. And all God's people said, amen. Amen. Thank you for listening to Island Recast. For more information, please go to gmpc.org.
Testament.org. In the old, as I said, in the Old Testament system, the sacrifice and the aroma that would be lifted up, would, their, their mind would picture that God would smell it. And certainly Jesus' sacrifice was a sweet smell. Do you stink? In your life? I hope not. I hope that your life is a sweet aroma to God. And if you're thinking for a moment, I can't imitate God. God is so far off. Find someone who's imitating Jesus real close to you. And imitate them. Paul goes on and he tells us even, imitate me as I imitate Christ. Find someone in your life who you can imitate who is imitating Christ. And I promise you, transformation will come and living in the kingdom will look more clear and more evident each and every day. Amen? Amen.